Dave from New Jersey, it's the SNL Nerds, the show where two comics from New Jersey nerd out about Saturday Night Live. I'm your co-host, John Trumbull. And I'm your co-host, Darren Patterson. Merry Christmas, Darren! Merry Christmas, John! This this is our actually our last show before Christmas. The, the next one we do, it's going to be... Christmas will be all over. We'll be in that weird nether region between uh, uh, Christmas and New Year's. <laughs> nether regions. Nether uh, regions. Uh, <laughs> like privates. <laughs> That's funny. <laughs> oh. so. Dusting off the old Beavis and Butted impression there. You're welcome, America. Yeah, yeah. You're just because we are nothing if not current and topical and cutting edge. <laughs> hey, you know who the kids like these days? They like the Beavis and the Buttheads. That's right. That's right. Yeah, they're, they're, they're a real swinging duo with these uh, these teeny boppers these days. That's right. So um, yeah, this is. Uh, but we're here. We're here to do another episode of SNL. Talk about it. Uh, this and was what... uh, season forty-seven, episode nine, with Paul Rudd or Charlie XEX. Paul Rudd yeah. and Charlie XEX. I don't know why I said or. <laughs> yeah. Well, um, in a way, it kind of was and or. It kind of was. This this episode did not go according to plan, you guys. <laughs> it did not. Holy moly! This is one of the most, uh, uh, I'll say, unique episodes yes. I've seen. I've seen in a while. This was okay. So yet to to recap, yesterday on Twitter, I think it was somewhere around eleven or twelve Eastern time. SNL announced that they weren't going to do a regular show. They weren't going to do the planned show. Right. I think you left me. I think you knew before I did. I think you left me a message. Yeah, I left you a message after I saw it on Twitter. I I like retweeted it because you know the the Twitter numbers are are all important. <laughs> I, I saw it maybe like 15 minutes after the show posted it and then i i gave you a call just to give you a heads up about it yeah and then i i mean i was out and about i, I was like doing some grocery shopping or something and then uh i saw i heard the message and then uh, a friend of mine a friend of the show and friend in real life joanna maharaj uh mm-hmm. sent me a message through instagram i was looking through instagram and it yeah said that tweet saying oh due to the uh, uptick in covid we will not be. We will not have an audience for tonight's show, and we will be working with limited cast and crew. I saw right. that, and, and I was like, "Oh, oh!" That sounded wow. very ominous. And, you, and you're just like, "Limited cast and crew." You're just like, "Okay, how many cast members are you down?" And then, and then, like a few hours after that, Charlie Xex said, "Because it was limited crew, she couldn't technically do her planned." musical segments so she had to pull out yeah and uh then i remember seeing some people tweet about how some cast members tested positive for covid but i couldn't find yeah, I, to, like really i was not it. able to verify any of those reports um if any cast members tested positive for covid we wish them the best and we we hope they have a swift recovery but yeah, I don't know. I don't even want to repeat any of those because I, I have no idea how true they are. Yeah, fair enough, fair enough. But then, yeah. I, and and then after that, I saw like the New York Post was saying, "Oh, Tina Fey is going to be on tonight's show to fill in for Colin Jost, who's out due to COVID concerns." And at this right. point, I was like, "I was like, what the hell is going on with tonight's show? Yeah, like, should should they even have it? What is the show going to be 
No yeah. music, no host. I mean, no, no, no the host, audience. Like, no audience, limited cast and crew, no musical guest. I mean, what, what, what is going on here, so, people? Yeah, it was. I mean, it was it was confusing and concerning and other c words. I'm sure. <laughs> oh, oh my! <laughs> Not like that. Not like that. Uh <laughs> but yeah, so it it was it was weird. All all we really knew going in was we're not going to get a typical show. And is the show going into lockdown again? Are we going to have to do some other SNL at homes? Are we even going to have the January shows? And and we still don't know the answers to a lot of these questions. No, and I saw on Twitter a lot of people were saying, well, with all these changes that's happening. And if COVID and, you know, Omicron is on the rise and it's just that big of a concern, we should just cancel the show. Just call just call it a day, wrap it up, give Paul his five-timers jacket some other day and just, you know, just call it. And then I saw some other people tweeting saying, oh, well, no, this, this might be really interesting. There might be sort of a more DIY type of feel type of show, like, you know, be like more loosey-goosey type of, type of vibe to it. So some people mm-hmm. were for them continuing on with you know the show must go on and some people were, were saying no let's let's throw in the towel and uh, I, i'm i'm wondering if like part of the reason that they went ahead with a show was i feel like there had to be some sort of contractual element to it like like mm. they had to put some show called saturday night live on for an hour and a half and i feel like that's that's got to be part of why they did the snl at home shows as well because they were contracted to do x number of episodes per season um mm. I but i don't know that's just that's just me speculating um mm. thinking uh is the legalese were were getting involved in it and it's possible i guess it's possible i don't know i mean so yeah so what we got was a weird kind of hybrid between a, a really scaled down live show with some of the pre-taped things that they'd already completed and like a clip show, like a best of thing of mostly Christmas sketches. Mostly, yeah. And we did get a little, a, a few live things, but, it, mm-hmm. you know, it's mainly uh, the monologue, which we'll talk about, and the weekend update, which we'll also talk about. Other right. than that, and, it was all pre taped yeah. stuff. And, and they, even did, the... they did some intro segments as well. So Right. But actually, now I think about it, even that stuff was previously recorded. So even that was wasn't it? really live. Yeah, like when, uh, well, in the in the uh, monologue when Tom Hanks came out, you see, you, I saw on the bottom saying previously recorded. So I totally missed that. Okay. Yeah. So apparently they taped all of that stuff, you know, in advance. Huh. So okay. I mean, that makes hmm. sense. I mean, because why? Yeah, if you can prep it ahead of time, why wouldn't you? <laughs> I mean, when it's when the 75 to 90 percent of the show is pre-taped anyway yeah why not go all the way with it um yeah i even think like brian tucker uh tweeted out something saying how he was watching the show from home yeah after after prepping the show all week i saw that too and i yeah yeah uh yeah that was i mean yeah it's got to be so trippy for anybody who who worked on it because i mean you're, you're you're preparing for the show all week and literally on on presumably on Saturday they made this decision um cuz like Paul Rudd when he was introducing one of the sketches he said we finished rec- we finished uh 
filming this like at 5 a.m. this morning. So <laughs> yeah, went up to the last minute. Yeah, I mean, like we found out about all these changes. I guess it was like eight hours or eight or nine hours before the show was about to start. So mm-hmm. I don't know. I was mm-hmm. looking at my phone for updates, like uh, like like stock market. <laughs> uh, I know. Yeah, I, was... I mean, that's that's kind of what I was doing all uh, Saturday afternoon as well. I was just was... on Twitter and just like checking that and checking other pages to see if there's any concrete information out there and, and not just rumor and innuendo. <laughs> and, yeah, yeah, I was just like. Yeah, yeah, I was just like smoking, like smoking cigarettes, drinking coffee, shakily looking at my Twitter account, just like, mm-hmm. oh god, what's gonna happen now? Oh god, oh god. Yeah, yeah, and I, I mean, I can't imagine how stressful it was for anyone who works on the show. Or... So, I mean, yeah, I mean, if... all power to them for <laughs> powering through and doing what they did. So, absolutely. I mean, I, I guess this episode going in, you, you have. To... You have to grade it, grade it on a curve. Yeah, this won't. I mean, we're not going to be super uh, critical about this episode because you really can't. It's uh, well, yeah. You know, we're, we're, like you said, grading it on a curve. They they did what they could. <laughs> yes, <laughs> they did their best. Yeah. So uh, okay. So the show opens up with uh, Tom Hanks coming out in the five timers jacket. We don't have a cold open. It just basically starts with a monologue. No cold open, no opening credits either. No opening credits, and that's something that has very rarely happened. And there's only very few episodes of the show that have not had an official musical guest. Uh, so, yeah, I was I was looking up. I think somebody said this is maybe like the fourth time that's ever happened in SNL history. Um, I'll look. I know somebody. Uh, somebody Andy Hoagland, uh, who who does the recaps for uh, Entertainment Weekly, um, he said. Uh, there isn't a ton of precedent for an episode to not have a musical guest. Rob Reiner didn't have one during the third episode of the first season, but John Belushi did his Joe Cocker impression to fill the gap. In season four, at Walter Matthau's request, Garrett Morris sang an aria from Don Giovanni. Ooh. Um, Sigourney Weaver didn't have an announced musical guest at the start of season 12, but Buster Poindexter uh, of the New York Dolls fame was on hand to perform. Um, and there, you know, there might be one or two others, but yeah, it's, it's very rare that they don't have a musical guest lined up. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, yeah, but so Tom Hanks comes out, he's, he's wearing the five timers club jacket, the, the nice blazer with the, the five patch on them. Um, he explains that they sent home the cast and most of the crew. Um, and he introduces Tina Fey. Who comes yeah, out and says, "This is not the smallest audience I've performed for because I've done improv at a Macy's." <laughs> <laughs> Accurate. I mean, I I don't know for sure that she's she's done improv at a Macy's, but I could see her doing improv in a Macy's. I feel like that's too specific of a reference for it not <laughs> to be true. <laughs> yeah, and if and... anybody, yeah, if anybody's been to an improv show, you know, sometimes those shows can be a little light when it comes to the audience. Yeah, and, and that happens in stand-up as well. I mean, we've both oh, yeah. performed for shows where hardly anybody shows up for whatever reason. Um, I remember a few years ago, I did a show in the city with a lot of my good friends in comedy, and we had, I think, two or three people in the audience. There were more comedians than there were audience members. And Yeah, uh, I've I've done definitely had that happen, too. Like, when I used to run a show in Brooklyn and Williamsburg, there was one show in particular where it was raining really hard, 
and it was literally just like me, my co, my co-host. Uh, not, I don't think even all the comics didn't show up. I think it was like maybe two or three comics, and like the audience was literally maybe three people, and one of them was my wife. So yeah, yeah. that's that happened. Yeah, and we were like, you know, we had that vibe. It's like, hey, you know what? Let's just put on a show anyway, man. Let's just do it for oh, us. Oh yeah, I mean, we we still did that show, um, and I was related to one of the audience members as well, uh, and it was it was very nice of him to come out and see me. Um, and bring a friend. So, yes. so oh, I, the I brought my people. I took care of my end. <laughs> I did my job. Yeah. Uh, so so Tom Hanks and Tina Fey, they introduced Paul Rudd. Paul Rudd comes out uh, and just goes, I'm extremely disappointed. And uh, yeah. Yeah. Oh, your heart just breaks for him. Yeah, I know. It's it's a And bummer. also like I was I was so looking forward to the show. Paul Rudd is literally one of my favorite hosts of SNL cuz he always does at least one or two things that are great. Yeah. He's he's pretty fantastic. Uh, and but, and I was looking forward to seeing Charlie XEX again. I haven't really kept up with her career, but I liked her when she was previously on the show back in 2014. So I was like, okay, well, we'll see what she's about these days. Uh, well, I mean, she does make an appearance in this show in uh, one does. of the pre-tapes. She does. Um, so, uh, like, Keenan comes out and they present Paul Rudd with his five-timers jacket. And Keenan says, congratulations on hosting the show four and a half times. And we also have a, a pre-tape segment of Steve Martin uh, uh, congratulating Paul. Uh, excuse hosting- me. It's a famous Steve Martin. Famous Steve Martin. Mr. Steve Martin. Um, and he's, <laughs> and in this segment, he's saying the nom- name Tom Hanks, but they've clumsily dubbed Paul Rudd over it. <laughs> <laughs> My favorite actor, Paul Rudd. <laughs> yeah. Um, and, uh, and we have a little cameo from Martin Short with Steve Martin as well, who, uh, who's serving Steve drinks, dipping his fingers in the glass <laughs> as he does, as he did in the previous five timer sketch. Oh. Um, <laughs> classy. And uh, and uh, we find out that Marty has only hosted the show three times, so he is not a member of the Five Timers Club. Can't we get Martin Short to host again? The man's electric. I mean, I I feel like we we can and we should not not you and me can because oh. we have no power and no clout. But uh, excuse you, we have this podcast that reaches tens of tens of people. Tens of Come people, on. and we, we we just cracked 300 Twitter followers on, re- hey. on the rebuilding the Twitter again. Oh, we're, we're rising to the top, baby. Yeah. So, I mean, things are happening for us. Oh. I mean, we oh, know dude. people. I mean, we we are well acquainted with Wally, the cue card guy on the so, show. Yeah. So, yeah. So, we're, we're kind of a big deal. Yeah. And in, within the last couple of weeks, I, I wrote to Wally, and I said, Hey, could we possibly get this other crew person to guest on the podcast? And Wally was like, "You know what? I don't know that person very well, and I don't feel comfortable asking." So, so you know, we've got a lot of clout, is what I'm saying. Yeah, we we get emails returned from Wally. So, that's, <laughs> hey, at least fo- he answered. That is an excellent point. <laughs> let's not focus on what he said. Let's just focus on the fact that we get an email from him. Let's focus on the fact that we were briefly acknowledged, even, and we got a polite rejection. Yes. No. That's that, right. And that's fine. Wally, we love you. We um, do. We, we, we love you, Wally. 
so I I enjoyed this. I felt I thought this was cute. I was surprised they did a, a five timers thing because since they they talked about it in one of the promos for the show, I was kind of not expecting them to hit on it in the show itself. But I guess that's an expectation now. Right? Yeah, I think so. Like once you host five times, that's it. They gotta they gotta make a big uh, to do about it. Mm-hmm. Big mm-hmm. big hoopla. Yeah, I actually went back and and rewatched the original five timers. <laughs> sketch from 1990 when tom hanks hosted for the fifth time oh that's the one where you see a a young conan o'brien that's correct when when conan was just a writer on the show um he appeared as as the guy who checks tom hanks's coat and gives him his blazer um so it's it's really funny to look back on it and you're just like hey look it's baby conan o'brien before he was famous um, and I, I believe Conan wrote that sketch as well. So I, I always wonder if when they're bringing the Five Timers Club back, if Conan gets like some sort of residual because he basically came up with that concept. Hmm. Maybe. I didn't even think about I don't, that. I wow. don't know enough about how the, the Writers Guild works to say for sure if he does that or not. But I would if I ever got to meet Conan O'Brien, that is a question I would ask him. I'd be like, hey, are you, are you getting a piece of that five-timers club action? <laughs> you getting that five-timers money there, buddy? <laughs> getting your beak wet? So, so this, I mean, this this was cute, and it's, you know, it's nice to see people rally. And yeah, the best yeah. In a bad situation. Yeah, it was, it was one of those things where, like, we all know what's going on. We all know this is... Uh, sort of a gloomy, dour time right now, what's with uh, the new Black Plague raging through, rampant through our country. But let's, uh, mm-hmm. let's you know, it's Christmas time. Let's just try to rally and, and make some, some joy and some happiness happen. Right. So uh, Rudd introduces what is now the first sketch, which is a pre-tape that they completed taping on Thursday. And it's, uh, it's, <laughs> it's on YouTube as Home Goods. But Rudd introduces it as holiday gifts, so I don't know what to believe. Uh, right out the gate, Rudd flubs it. It's a Rudd flub. Uh, I mean, they're just they're just lying to us. Right? This, <laughs> I mean, this bold face lying to our faces. Like I trusted I you, know. Rudd. Do do the the SNL YouTube people just go rogue and title sketches whatever they feel like? Or I think so. Yeah, they, they play by their own rules. I don't know. So we got. Uh, we've got Paul Rudd as a director. He's directing a commercial for Home Goods. Yes, he's uh, playing. Uh, he's playing Casey Home Goods, and he got this directing job on merit. It, correct. Yes, and we have Kate and Eighty as these uh, <coughs> big enthused uh, Home Goods customers who, uh, when they're asked what they want for Christmas from Home Goods, they only want grandchildren. Yeah, like it starts off to both uh, two, you know, middle-aged older women. The uh, standard home goods uh, demographic ladies. Uh, so in the commercial, it's um, Paul Rudd who's directing them, saying, "All right, well, tell tell us what tell us what you like about home goods. Tell us what you want." And of course, they, at first they say, "Oh, we don't want anything. You know, just you know, we don't want to be a bother." And then Paul Rudd keeps prying, and of course, it comes out that they want grandchildren, or as Aidy says, grandchildren. Yeah, yeah. She did a she did a weird. Uh pronunciation thing there i don't know if i like that or found it annoying i was going right. back and forth on it uh after a while it's uh after a while i was saying grandchildren it's just like hmm. it's kind of cute i don't know it it, it, it it i got a chuckle out of it okay all right 
Um, I did like how it, I didn't notice this line until I rewatched the sketch this morning where they just kind of stopped and they were like, oh, we've never actually said what we want out loud before. <laughs> and that's that is such a mom slash grandmother type thing where you just suffer in silence and yes, you're, you're just putting everybody else's needs ahead of your own. I, I thought that was that was cute. Yeah. Um, and uh, yeah, I mean, as the sketch goes on. It's, um, you know, the director, Paul Rudd, kind of stopping them and saying, no, we, you know, you should talk about stuff you can buy at home goods instead of talking about grandchildren. Like you said, you're huge home goods fans. Well, and he looks at a piece of paper and says, just today alone, you brought a, a hand soap that smells like wine and, uh, you know, other things you get at home goods. Mm-hmm. And, uh, yeah. Mm-hmm. And then, of course, they go on and then he, he tries to steer them away from the topic of grandchildren. But, of course, they keep going back to it, saying things. Like, uh, I want, uh, what would he say? Oh, I, I want Kelsey to be full of my son and, yeah. you know, wants my, I want my son's stuff in, to go into Kelsey. Fulfill mm-hmm. the wedding promise. Yes. Yes. I mean, I, I thought overall this sketch was, it was pretty good. I, I felt like it was a little long. Uh, mostly it, it reminded me that I need to call my mother. Yeah. So, so if thanks we, for the guilt trip, SNL. Thank you, SNL. You've done it again. <laughs> fine i'll call my mom fine i get it she worries yeah was this sketch written by my mom <laughs> it could have been it could have been i'm looking at the um, reddit page and it's i don't see her name uh so next they did um what is a very what's a classic well-known snl sketch i, I don't know if we necessarily <laughs> think it was christmas sketch but it's uh they did Dick in a Box. Dick in a Box. Dick in a Box. This is from Season 2, Episode 9. It originally aired December 16th, uh, 2006. Doesn't uh, seem like that long ago, but wow. Yeah, it seems like only yesterday, but uh, mm-hmm. oh boy. Um, yeah, I don't think we ever talked. Have we talked about Dick in a Box on this podcast? Uh, we might have. I honestly don't remember. I mean, what, what is there to say about Dick in the Box? At, at, at this slight date it's yeah. i mean it's it's funny it's a classic sketch these these characters became recurring characters that they revived whenever justin timberlake came back to the show um i like when that when they introduced the sketch they made a special mention of maya rudolph and Kristen wig for the great support they're giving in the sketch yeah because like i don't think they get enough credit for the sketch i mean they don't have mm-hmm. a huge part in it but like the little parts they do have in it are pretty like laugh worthy. Like at the one point yeah. where I think it's Timberlake is trying to seduce he's seducing Maya Rudolph's character by like rubbing a mm-hmm. rose all over her face and like just jamming it into her face and <laughs> and uh, the and way I, that some men are wont to jam things in women's faces. Oh boy. That yeah. that is the nicest way I can put that, I think. Oh easy fella, easy stud. Um, <laughs> and I think at one point, uh, Andy Samberg is like trying to like caress a feather over Kristen Wiig's face mm-hmm. and like, to the point where she like sort of awkwardly pushes the feather away. Like, no, don't get this out of my face again. Yeah. Yeah. And I, I also liked, uh, I mean, cause, cause it's basically just their expressions, uh, because this is all playing under the song. Of course. Um, I did like when, you know, one of them opens up the box and we see Maya Rudolph just like put her hand to her chest and just go and mouth. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> That's some good stuff right there. Yeah. 
Yeah, I mean, it's it's a funny sketch. I, lo- I love that they they get busted at the end of the sketch. I, I like that. It's always nice when the sketch uh, realizes how wrong the behavior of the people in the sketch are. So Yeah, you, apparently putting your naked penis in a box and having people open the box, that's uh, it's a little kind of wrong. It's, more than a little, I would say. More than a little. <laughs> well, now you tell me. Say, and say that is... That is full wrong. <laughs> um, get get consent, guys. <laughs> you sound just like the judge. Uh, yes. And us, uh, and also, the song is genuinely good. It's a it's a good yeah. song. It's a nice, yeah, catchy um, R and B song. I re- I genuinely like it. Yeah, I mean, because it's it's the the Lonely Island guys and Justin Timberlake. Uh, uh, so yeah, and and it sounds like actual early 90s R&B and they're they're made up like color me bad and all that. So I mean it's it's a fun sketch. I don't know if I needed to see it again, but I didn't mind seeing it again. Yeah, I think they put this in because they know it's a crowd favorite, it's a, it's a crowd mm-hmm. pleaser and they're try, you know, trying to get the uh trying to build sort of what was the word I'm looking for? Like just trying to make things goodwill. lighter goodwill. Like yeah, they're trying to like yeah. boost up the energy in, you know, these gloomy doomy times. And I I get it. Yeah, yeah. And, uh, okay, so next uh, we had a uh, another pre-tape that they prepared for this show uh, called An Evening with Pete. This was written by Dan Bula, Stephen Castillo, and Pete Davidson. Um, this was kind of surprising. It's it's a Raging Bull parody. Uh, yeah, this... I mean, I'm going to say it off the bat. This, I thought this was Sketch of the Night. This really surprised me at how good it was. Um. So it's a sketch that takes place in the future of what is it, 2054. Yep. And we see an older, you know, older aging Pete Davidson getting ready to do his uh, performance, his, his nightclub night act. act. Yeah. Uh, we see he's put on a bit of weight, has a huge forehead and a receding hairline that goes all the way back. Mm-hmm. And um, yeah, it's kind of, I don't know, how would you describe And oh, it's all, the whole thing is shot in black and white as well. Yeah, I mean it's it's a Raging Bull homage. I I've never actually seen Raging Bull. I need to like sit down and actually watch that that film someday. I hear it's quite good. Um, I, hear, I hear good things. I hear good things. Like when when this came up, I was like, oh my god! I was not aware I would have to be familiar with Raging Bull to fully get this sketch. But I know enough about it through cultural osmosis that yeah, I, I got the gist of it at the very least. Yeah, I got um, I got kind of like some Mister Saturday Night vibes from it a little bit too. There was a little of that too, yeah, yeah. Um, and we had a a robot Colin Jost introducing him, <laughs> yeah, um, saying, uh, introducing him as resident young person Pete Davidson, and right, and he was in the audience heckling him, do Chad. Um, <laughs> I don't do Chad no more, right? I just can't do Chad, kid, right? Yeah, um, most lifelike Colin Jost has been in ages. Oh um, wow! So <laughs> I enjoy I enjoyed seeing the Robo just short circuit. <laughs> yeah, and uh, yeah. So basically, like um, Pete Davidson, he's sort of like this uh, sort of over the hill, I guess, cat skills comedian mm-hmm. type of. Vibe. That's the vibe I got. And it's like him doing the act that he used to do, you know, back in uh, when he was on SNL. So it's like yeah. him getting behind the Weekend Update desk. And uh, doing the old, doing the old shtick, talk, you know, making jokes about Staten Island. It's, it's it's very meta. The whole thing is it's pretty meta. Yeah, I mean, it reminded me. Uh, 
it had the same sort of vibe as that uh, that old sketch with John Belushi, where he's visiting the graves of all the other SNL cast members, and he's like the last surviving member. Don't look back in anger. Um, it reminded me a bit of that. Um, yeah, I saw a lot of people. Had... Go ahead. I was going to say I saw a lot of people online saying, "Yeah, this got it had like a lot of strong like Schiller, Tom Schiller vibes to it. Mm-hmm. Schiller vision stuff. Yeah. Yes, very much um, so. I. Uh... Yeah, I, I liked it. I, th- I thought it was a bit long, but, you know, hey, I get it. They're trying to fill time. Um, I feel like they let most of the things, most of the new stuff this week run a little longer than they would have normally. Um, I, f- I, I feel like see- if this was on a regular show, it might have been edited down a little tighter. I could see that. Um, I yeah. mean, I, I really got a kick out of this sketch. I liked how it takes place in the future, but it everything looks like it's from the 1940s for some reason. Um, I like how they have. I mean, so... I, I felt like it looked more early '60s, like you know, 1960s Vegas. Oh, okay. I could see it. But I, I don't know how time. Whatever, it, it looks old timey. That's that's the point. Yeah. And we had. We should mention we had Paul Rudd in there as uh, his old writer uh, Eddie Corbin. Right, his, his old first, writing. Corbin. You know, Pete's like I've ne- I've never met this guy before, but uh, eventually we have a little heartwarming reunion between the two. Right, at first, you know, and, like, I like how Paul Rudd played it, where, you mm-hmm. know, like, like, hey, how you doing, Pete? You know, it's, it's, oh, you, you're looking you're looking swell there, pal. We used to, you know, remember we used to write, like, back in the old days. And then Pete, mm-hmm. Pete kind of yelp barks at him, like, get out of here, you bum. I don't know you anymore. Yeah. it's It was a lot of, a lot of that. Like, I don't, the whole thing, I thought, I don't know, like I said, like, it's very meta. It's very kind of inside baseball-y stuff. I mean, you know, they had, like, dark jokes, too, like when Pete Davidson wanted to sing with his old friend, Machine Gun Kelly, and he brought out an urn full of his ashes. Mm-hmm. Was, Machine Gun all... Kelly, due to die in 2051, by the way. That's right. So, just so <laughs> you know. Mark your calendars. Just so you know. Right. The um, octopus said We don't make the rules. Bongo the octopus said it, it was so, so. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, uh, by the way, is Andrew Dismukes dead now? I don't know. <laughs> we saw him in some film segments. Somebody, somebody tweet at him. Okay? Somebody tweet at him, please. See if he's yeah, alive. Yeah. Uh, so, um, yeah, I, I enjoyed this. I thought it was a bit long, but, uh, but you know, pretty, pretty good. Yeah, and and technically so impressive. Yeah, I really, I mean, I think I like this a little bit more than you do. Like, I really thought it, it did have some heart to it, and it had, you know, some little bit of gravitas. I like the meta ness of it. I know I keep saying meta a lot, but I, I really dug it. And uh, Pete Davidson did some pretty good acting in this, too. Like, this is probably some of his mm-hmm. his best uh, acting work on the show, I thought. He has improved as an actor. Yeah, definitely. Definitely. Yeah, yeah. So, um, yeah, guys, I mean, guys, watch an evening with Pete Davidson. I, I, it's, I thought this was a, a slam dunk. Um, all right. So next we have... An older sketch, uh, Santa and His Elves. This is from Season 41, Episode 7. Uh, original air date, December 5th, 2015. Uh, this was written by James Anderson, Vanessa Bayer, Kent Sublette, and Keenan Thompson. And uh, Keenan introduced this, and he said, like, you know, part of the reason was he just loved that sweet, innocent Vanessa Bayer was playing a perverted elf. I, all right. So that's that's his kink. All right. I can, I can see that. <laughs> 
Well, I, I think it just amused him because he knows the real Vanessa Bayer. Um, <laughs> Keenan's into elf so, play. All right. Yeah, so it's, it's Bobby Moynihan as Santa, Keenan, Vanessa Bayer, and host Ryan Gosling as elves who want to be punished for not doing their work. Um, I had absolutely no memory of this sketch. I kind of remember this sketch. Mm-hmm. But yeah, I mean, I guess that says a lot about the sketch. Um, yeah, because yeah, it didn't, I don't know, it seemed like the escalation really wasn't there in this one. It was just them saying, oh, we messed up these toys, Santa. I guess we've been naughty. I guess maybe mm-hmm. you should spank. And like that, they just kind of beat that same drum over and over again. I didn't really take too many notes about it. Yeah, I, I don't have much to say about this one. It didn't, it didn't really uh, send me. I like the idea of it more than the execution. Yeah, I'll, so, I'll I'll go with you there. I'll agree with that. Yeah, and and the weird thing is, this was the same show where they did the the uh, Ryan as part of the couple that's overjoyed to meet Santa, and that was a memorable sketch. So I'm just like, well, why why did we choose this one? And yeah, I feel, I feel like a lot of this the older stuff they chose was because of runtime. Hmm. You know. Interest. So they just went with the longest stuff? I think that was... I, I don't think it was just that, but I feel like that was probably in the mix, you know? Mm, very possible. Very possible. So, that's my feeling, that. anyway. No, I didn't even think of that. Yeah, like, this is one of the sketches where I was like, why why this one? Like, out of all mm-hmm. the Christmas sketches you have, you know, at your disposal, and that's in the vault of SNL, you went with, uh, you know, Santa and his elves? Um, yeah, I feel I feel like it was just like a lot of personal favorites and a lot of a, a lot of like oh well this this runs a little longer this will this will be good so right like I mean I'm I'm fine if you chose a sketch that was maybe you thought was a little bit more underrated or deserved more laughs or maybe with time yeah. aged a little bit better like that's fine you, you know I'm always down for you know watching some uh, deep cuts but like this one. It seemed like it was kind of blah then because we don't remember it, and it's yeah, kind of exactly. Blah. It's kind of blah now. Like one of the sketches we're going to talk about, I actually remember a lot more than this one, mm-hmm. and it's older. Yeah, it's probably the next yeah. sketch we're going to um, talk about. Uh, next sketch uh, we have uh, Tom Hanks. When he introduced this, he said it was from 1991. Tom Hanks is a dirty, stinking liar. It's actually from December wow. 8, 1990, which was Tom Hanks's fifth time hosting. It's uh, season 16, episode eight. The Global Warming Christmas Special. Um, this one was one that I semi-remembered. It's not one I've rewatched in forever, but um, it's got Mike Myers as Carl Sagan, Tom Hanks as Dean Martin. Doing an incredible Dean Martin, by the way. Yeah, see, this is one of the sketch. This is the sketch I remember more than the Santa mm-hmm. and his elf sketch, which which says a lot about this sketch. Like yeah. I was, like I mean, like you said, it came out in 1990, so I was. Like junior high or something, I guess. Like mm-hmm. I was like just turned thirteen, and like I remember really digging a I sketch. Would have been for... eighteen, so yeah. Okay, yeah, I, I remember really digging a sketch for two. I liked, like you said, uh, Tom Hanks Dean Martin impression. You know that. Ooh, that's so upset. <laughs> I don't know why. Right? I mean, yeah, and it's. <laughs> oh, that ain't right. It's, it's wonderful. <laughs> and uh, I also got a. I remember getting a kick out of um, uh, Dana Carvey's uh, Paul McCartney. I, I, I think this was the very first time I ever saw Dana Carvey do Paul McCartney, and he, and, you know, it's just like, well, you know, you're all screwed up, and then you know, and then where are you? I mean, and I just, 
he nailed Paul McCartney. I, I love Dana Carvey's Paul McCartney. And it was also fun to see, it was fun to see Victoria Jackson as Sally Struthers. Um, if, if you weren't around in the late eighties, early nineties, you might not remember all the, those omnipresent late night commercials of Sally Struthers, just like begging you to donate to like feed starving children in Africa or, or, homeless pets or whatever it seemed like every cause had sally struthers like just always on the verge of tears just begging you like whatever you can spare and yeah those those were real bummers i remember those Those every time every time i was like mom can we give her some money i'm so sad they were like the sarah mclaughlin uh all right uh uh, commercials of their day with with the with the, the sick pets and stuff oh my god um, we, and, uh, we also got to see Jan Hooks and Phil Hartman as Crystal Gale and Isaac Asimov. What a weird <laughs> combo that is. Really weird. I was like, I mean, yeah, this is, I, I remember that part. And even back then, I don't think I knew who Crystal Gale was, but like, I still, I still like the yeah. kids, Jan Hooks. And, uh, country music singer has really, really long hair, like hair down to her, probably her waist or her knees. Right. Um, I mean, I looked it up. I see her biggest hit is uh, "Don't It Make My Brown Eyes Blue," which, of course, if you oh, yeah. listen, if you listen to Light FM back in the eighties, you you must have heard a hundred times. It's probably still playing on Light FM today. I would Ooh. I would imagine. <laughs> go to your local um, dentist office and see if they're playing "Don't It Make My Brown Eyes Blue." There you go. Uh, we had Kevin Nealon cameoing as George Hamilton, like looking very tan. Yes. Uh, Does my tan frighten you? Uh, and we we had Ralph Nader. Who and I looked it up. This is the same show where Tom Hanks did the five timers sketch, and Ralph Nader has a cameo in that sketch as well. So, yeah, the, they, were make, they were making full use of Ralph Nader being in the studio that evening. Yeah, it's like Tom Hanks buds with Ralph Nader. I don't know. I don't know. Maybe it was just like we have this random uh, celebrity here. <laughs> Let's just use him as much as possible. Um, and then uh, at the very end, we have Chris Farley come in as Dom DeLuise and Julia Sweeney coming in as Petula Clark. Right. Because they were both like kind of newish cast members at this point in the show's history. So Right. Because I think like towards the end, they uh, like Carl Sagan just, is just constantly bringing the, I guess, the, the special down with his talk of global warming and how the, yes. the planet is about to. It's a good thing we, we solved that here in 2021. Oh, yeah. Year. No, this is none of this is a problem at all nope. anymore. Nope. Everything's a okay. So, but, yeah. Well, wait. I'm I'm sorry. I'm gonna have to pause the recording for a minute. There's another hurricane coming through. Oh, okay. <laughs> another sorry. hurricane. Yeah. yeah. Oh, hey. And uh, wasn't it a sixty day to sixty degree weather last week in uh, on the east coast in the middle of December? Hmm. Uh, yes, it was. It was. <sighs> it was. Oh, hey, could I? Uh, but oh. yeah. So. Yeah, so, so like folks, all... recycling not the worst idea. Yeah, maybe get a hybrid car if you can afford it. Yeah, why not? What the hey? Yeah, uh, but yeah, but all this talk of the planet dying was uh, bringing down Dean Martin's buzz. So he like he yeah. kind of turned it into like one of those uh, old school like variety show Christmas specials from the sixties and seventies, yeah. and yeah. had them come um, out. This is fun. It, it was kind of rapid fire. It's like. Hitting a, hitting a lot of stuff. It's a long sketch. It's like nearly 10 minutes. So, yeah. again, I feel like this was chosen at least partially because of its length. 
That's true. Yeah, it is. It's a, it's a long one. I forgot how long it is. But uh, yeah. it is good to see, like, SNL putting out a sketch that aired so, like, later in uh in in time like in the from the early 90s like you rarely mm-hmm. see that on NBC anymore like usually when that's they put true. out and it's and it's not one that's been played at infinitum over the last 30 years so exactly yeah like when i was talking about deep cuts this is a bit of a deep cut this one right here this is a bit of a deep cut yeah i mainly remembered it because of tom hanks's great dean martin impression and dana carvey's great paul Ooh. mccartney impression Ooh. <laughs> by the way do you have any idea who was playing linda mccartney in this sketch? no no, I don't. I did not recognize her at all. I just in my notes I just wrote some rando as as Linda McCartney. <laughs> some rando. They got some like somebody in hair and makeup. You're like you. Well, I mean, she had no lines, so yeah, I have no idea. We need somebody blonde. Is there a PA around that's blonde? Yeah. Uh, who knows? Who knows? Maybe. All right. Anyway, uh, next we have weekend update with Tina Fey and Michael Che. We we got we got rhyming. In weekend update, Faye and Che. Hey. Okay. Che. Hey. Um, I, I liked, you know, I liked how how Che just like threw a blazer on over his hoodie. Yeah, classy. <laughs> I mean, that was cool. And again, I mean, classy of Tina Fey to come down and help them out on this uh, when they were in a bind. Uh. Yeah, and it was not, not that Che couldn't have done it by himself, but there, there's something about when you have the two anchors on update, you, you get that nice back and forth, the ping pong and back and forth. Yeah, you uh, get the I nice, that. you get the nice banter, and yeah, they did. And so when they did the weekend update, they didn't even use the weekend update set. They just literally just got like two director chairs, put them on the stage, and just sitting there. It's Faye and Che telling jokes to right. Keenan, Paul, and Hanks. Three people. And I'm, I'm sure that was a reflection of, because, you know, why keep some crew members there just to bring in the weekend updates set and set it up on home base? So that was a smart way to do it. Just set up a couple chairs at home base and have Paul Rudd, Keenan, and Tom Hanks in the audience and, and, and the crew, of course, uh, just reacting in real time. And I thought it worked beautifully. I do, um, too. Yeah. I, I I really loved it. I mean, I thought they were they were all solid jokes and i think i think you also have to give them credit for because they didn't get to have what weekend update usually has is the graphics behind them which is usually like a nice button on the joke or sometimes like the full joke these these are all jokes that just had to work purely verbally so it was it was great and i think they're they're both just they're both killer writers they can both deliver jokes beautifully so I, I really enjoyed this. I thought this was great. Yeah, like when I was talking about earlier about how I thought uh, the show would have like sort of more of a raw DIY, loosey-goosey feel to it after, you know, after hearing about all the news earlier mm-hmm. that day. This is what I was talking about. It was it would be more yeah. like kind of, hey, yeah, we're just, we're, there's no one here. It's just us and we're just going to shoot, you know, tell these jokes and shoot this shit. It's kind of like... One of those days when you go into the office at work and there's no, and you go there like on a Saturday or a Sunday yeah. when like no one's really mm-hmm. there, where like yeah. you're kind of doing your work but you're also kind of, it's a lot more looser. It's not as, uh, not as stringent. Like the bosses are breathing down in your necks, man. Yeah, that's right, you're man. Asshole by the man. That's right. You get to you get to kick up your feet. And don't have to worry about the man down your neck, suit and ties, brother. 
Yeah, yeah. I didn't really write down any jokes. I did like uh, Jay reported on a, sh- a story. He said uh, talking about a judge that was caught on video using the N word, and then he just sort of segued him that. And he's like, "So why are me and Keenan the only cast members here?" Yeah, <laughs> I that... got a real laugh out of that. And then you know we we cut to Keenan in the audience, and and Keenan was just kind of like, "I feel you, brother." <laughs> <laughs> yeah, the only two cast members to show up to to the show. Uh, Keenan mm-hmm. and Che. Interesting. Hmm. I mean, uh, yeah. And uh, I also like they had a line about how uh, Bruce Springsteen, he sold his song catalog for like 500 million this week. And, and Che said, now he finally has the money to move out of New Jersey. Uh, it was a good line. But yeah. But yeah. You know, Jer- Jersey's nice, guys. Oh, always ragging on Jersey. Huh. Well, I, yeah, we're easy to rag on. I get it. Yeah, I get it. I get, we're I, I get why it happens. <laughs> the dogs, I get it. I, we can take it. Yeah. Just get but kicked I thought, around. I thought that Tina Fey and Michael Che had a really nice chemistry together, and I I would honestly like to see them do update together again. That is very true. Yeah, they they you know riffed off each other pretty well. I think there was one, oh, I think I wrote it down. Oh, yeah, they talked about um how now we have our first New York has his first uh, female police commissioner. Uh, oh, yes. So that means policing is about to get a lot more passive-aggressive. <laughs> yeah. And then they'll, Tina they'll, just shot... They'll find your uh, crimes just by going through your phone when you're in the shower. Right. And like, Tina just shot the, the, a look at the camera like... Uh. <laughs> well, I mean, Tina gave great support in that. I mean, I mean, she's just such a pro, man. And I'm, I'm really curious. I wonder, like... I know, I know Tina Fey was also a guest writer on this episode, so I, I can only assume that she did a, a fair amount of the Weekend Update jokes herself. I wonder if if Colin Jost was able to contribute any jokes to this, or hmm. if it was all just Fey and, and Shay, or or what. I, I'm very curious about that. Uh, maybe. I'm, I'm trying to find out who wrote what on uh, on the Reddit, but I'm not seeing any. I'm yeah, seeing we, do, we don't have anything on that for, okay. for this. All right. Well, uh, yeah, guys, call in. Let us know. So there was actually there was actually one part that I liked where, at before they did the uh, the segment, Tina talked to um, you know the audience mm-hmm. or audience, quote yes. unquote, and I, I think Faye talked to Tom saying, "Hey, all right, we have. Can you confirm, Mister Mister Hanks, that you've never heard any of these jokes before?" And then Hanks was yes. like, "Not a one, except for the two you blew in rehearsal." I mean. How quick is Tom Hanks? That was he's good. And, I mean, uh, Tom like, Hanks. It, it was it was fun. It was loosey goosey. It was it, Hanks was given as good as he got. <laughs> there was, yeah, it there was, was just fun. You felt like you were just hanging out with them. <clears throat> yeah, I think at one point, uh, the Tina Fey talked to tell the joke about uh, how it's the anniversary of the first person to get the uh, COVID vaccine, and all I had to do mm-hmm. was lie about being a nurse. The, not mm-hmm. a great response, and she was like, "Damn it, I blew it again." <laughs> <laughs> yeah so I, well, I like the loose feel of this one yeah this this was the highlight of the show for me this was uh this was sketch of the night okay uh, yeah this yeah. was this was good good stuff all right next uh we have another pre-tape uh the christmas socks uh no writing credits on this one as of yet uh but i'm sure that kyle mooney had a hand in it uh oh indeed was, this was something that paul rudd said that they shot on friday morning uh this was like a sort of parody of the Christmas shoes, I think. It's definitely a parody of Christmas shoes. 
Yeah. Uh, yeah, for those that don't know, if you go Google uh, Christmas Shoes by the, I believe, the Christian vocal band New Song, you'll uh, you'll see, like, yeah, this, they're definitely, uh, this is definitely a take on that. Yeah. Uh, we had Kyle as a six-year-old boy in a department store. He's buying socks for his mother. Uh, he explains they had a tough year because their bird flew away. Um, uh, Paul Rudd's, like, uh, also in line behind them. And and Kyle's just telling him this whole story, and they, they end up holding up the line behind them. And it's this long, meandering thing. Um, uh, I, I'm sad to say I didn't think much of this one, honestly. Yeah, no, I, I'm with you. This one... Uh, I mean, the premise is interesting enough, a play on, you know, the song Christmas Shoes, which is a song I think most people know about or heard of. Uh, it's basically like this Christmas song about this boy who doesn't have enough money or who's trying to buy his mom some shoes for Christmas. His mother is uh, terminally ill, so he wants to buy shoes for his mother so she can look nice for Jesus. Yeah, <laughs> that's a that's a song. So it's a real uh, upbeat kind of number. Yeah, and you, yeah. You want something nice and upbeat like that for uh, this show? That sounds like a real toe tapper. <laughs> yeah. Um. So this is a riff on that, but yeah, this um, this sketch, it it like you said, like I I would I would say that the best way to describe it, is it, it does meander, because like it's this is one I would say it definitely needed to be edited tighter. This was like six minutes, I think, and. And the song they're singing was, it's a very monotonous kind of tune. So it just kind of drones. Yeah, uh, no, absolutely. Cause uh, like it's, it's them yeah. going back and forth about this bird. It's Paul ask, it's just really Paul Rudd asking about the bird. And uh, then Keenan who plays the cashier saying, Hey, could you guys take this elsewhere? Cause mm-hmm. there's a line forming behind you. And, but then they keep talking about the bird. And honestly, at one point, Heidi, who's waiting online, it was a, she like snaps in. It's like, hey, God, could you guys take it elsewhere? We, we need to buy. Like when she says that, the music stops. I woke up because I, I we were found, all Heidi in that moment. Yes, like, <laughs> like I found my attention waning. Like I, I was like kind of, I, I was like, mm-hmm. oh, I mean, look at my phone. I mean, look at like I wasn't paying attention to the sketch because it was just like yeah. droning on and on. And like when Heidi chimes yeah. in, I woke up. I was like, oh, what? This is still happening. Yeah. Yeah, and so I, I felt like this was just more weird for the sake of being weird, and it was more weird than funny, which I'm never a big fan of. I I, I don't like like just ultra random humor. Um, right. I mean, random is fine if it's if it's got a joke to it, but I felt like this was just more just just being random. So yeah, that's I mean that's kind of Kyle's bread and butter a lot yeah. of the time. Yeah. Uh, and then, so I found it really monotonous, but hey, it ate up five and a half minutes of airtime and really <laughs> isn't that half the point. Isn't that the meaning of Christmas? Yeah. Isn't that the true meaning of Christmas? <laughs> it eats up time. Uh, <laughs> it eats up airtime <laughs> on your nationally broadcast conference. Yeah. <laughs> yes. It, it meets a deadline. Uh, and then as the sketch goes on, eighty comes in as the kid's mom. Saying like, oh, we're you know we have I have news about your bird, uh, you know she doesn't like the fact that Paul Rudd is now friends with her, un, you know young son, and then we it cuts to um, Charlie XCX as the b- bird that they were oh, talking yeah, about, TJ Rock. Yeah, 
yeah. Now this, the, is, this is the only time she appears in the show, unfortunately. Um, so yeah. I mean, it's nice that she still had a, a presence of some kind in the show, uh, but yeah, and uh, we find out the bird uh, talks and sings, and the bird started a band with the junkyard yeah. boys, and then they sing a song, and then uh, Paul Rudd proposes to the uh, A.D. Bryant, and then it kind of ends. And yep. I'm like, I'm like, mm, this is the hell was that this? Was the thing that happened. <laughs> Again, like, I mean, not only is it super random, but it also drags, and that's yeah. that's never good. Yeah, no, not not good. Not nothing much. Nothing else to say about this one. Yeah, absolutely. Moving on. Moving on. Uh, next, we have uh, Steve Martin's "A Holiday Wish." Uh, this, this, I think, <coughs> is one of the all-time classics. This, this is terrific. Um, just, just two minutes of Steve Martin giving his Christmas wish. I don't think we need to go through this beat by beat. This is, this is just great. It's funny. It's just Steve Martin performing, and it's really funny material. Paul Rudd said in his intro that he memorized this in high school and performed it himself. And he didn't realize how lame that was at the time. Uh, I just love the thought of Paul Rudd being a teenage <coughs> comedy nerd who memorized this. Yeah, I think Paul Rudd and I, like, if we were teenagers at the same time, at the same place, in the same school, we could have been friends. I think about yes. that. Mm-hmm. Uh, but yeah, I think somebody... I mean, that's on, the dream. <laughs> yeah, that's the dream. My God. I think somebody on Twitter, though, mentioned, it's like, well, if Paul Rudd memorized this whole thing, why didn't they just have Paul Rudd recreate it? Like, why they have to show the Steve Martin version? And like, a part of me is like, maybe I kind of would have liked to see that. Um, I don't I'd know, rather you... see the original, honestly. Like, I mean, like a... I, lo- I love Paul Rudd, but mm. is it? Would it have been better than seeing Steve Martin perform it for real? I yeah. don't think so. I don't know. I mean, in this age of uh, reboots and remakes, we could have him uh, redo this. It would be I like mean, a... they did. A, they did a little of that in the the 45th anniversary show, where I remember they had uh, uh, Emma. Um, Emma Stone come on and do uh, Roseanne Rosanna Dana on Update and I was like okay well that's fun and she did a good job with it but is it better than seeing Gilda Radner do it? No, not really. Mm. Yeah, I guess you're right. Yeah, I, I mean when you hear the lines like you know when you want your you know when he's talking about your Christmas wishes and one of the wishes being a uh, 31 day orgasm performed by Rosanna Arquette you really want Steve Martin there, do you, to say that? Roseanne just... Arquette and Paulina and it's Porvisco, <laughs> who, who is the big Sports Illustrated swimsuit model of the time. Yeah. So. And, uh, of course, you know, of course he wants revenge on all his enemies. They should die like pigs in hell. Yeah, I, <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's, I mean, I just love the turn in the, you know, and then by the end, he's just like, first, that crap about the kids. <laughs> and then, it just, yeah, and he just gets caught up in his own desires uh it's a lot of fun it's a lot of fun and it's uh yeah it it was always fun to revisit that one that was a good one that was a good one uh next we had i don't think this was a full sketch this was uh oh by the way that i'm sorry that steve martin holiday wish that's from season 12 episode 6 december 6 1986 was the original air date on that um so next we have Martin Short and Paul McCartney as Caleb and Monty. I think this wasn't a full sketch. I think this was just a selection from a sketch. Yeah, this is a sketch I was talking about as to why they included it. Because, uh, mm-hmm. like you said, it is 
part, it's not even the whole thing. It's like part of the thing. But like, luckily, you can see the whole thing on YouTube. The whole sketch is on YouTube. Uh, so right. uh, basically, in this sketch, it's a pageant tryout. And we see, uh, first we see Keenan trying out for this, uh, for the show. I think, I believe this is uh, from a 2012 episode. And it is from, uh, I have it here, December 15th, uh, 2012, season 38, episode 10. Nice. With, uh, yeah, Martin Short auditioning as Caleb and Paul McCartney as his cousin by marriage, Monty, who is a triangle player. And Martin Short is forbidding him to sing. <laughs> right, exactly. And we also see uh, Jason Sudeikis and Cecily Strong as the judges. And, uh, mm-hmm. yeah, the whole sketch is basically just Martin Short berating Paul Simon Saying like you know, you're, you're not McCar- Oh, what I say? You said Paul, Paul Simon. Oh, right, Paul, the other Paul, Paul McCartney. Paul, you, you mixed up your your Lorne Michaels musician friends named Paul. Oh, so many Pauls, all these Pauls. Mm-hmm. Uh, but yeah, so it's basically Martin Short berating McCartney, saying you're, you know, you're not here to sing. You're here just to play this triangle. I have a million dollar voice, and you're a lump. <laughs> and no one wants to hear you sing. And, exactly. And and it's also, I also find it vaguely depressing because it's it's during the Paul McCartney hair dye years when Ooh. he was like married to Heather Mills and and he's he's like still dyeing his hair this really artificial dark brown to try and look younger. And, Good. oh, you know, uh, thank God he stopped with that. Yeah, yeah. Just just let it go, man. Just let it go, Greg. Because <laughs> it's like, you know, Paul, we, we said we would love you when you were 64. You you were well past that at this point. Yeah. You were not fooling anybody. Yeah, just embrace who you are, man. It's it's good. We, we're here for you. We love you. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Uh, this, was, this was apparently written by uh, Seth Meyers. Oh, so. all right. But, uh, yeah, so throughout the whole sketch, it's just, you know, Martin Short chewing up the scenery, berating uh, Paul mm-hmm. saying no one wants to hear you sing no one wants to hear you sing and then they give uh, Paul McCartney the chance to sing and what's supposed to happen in the sketch is they let him sing the wall behind them separates and we see it's the um, you know Paul McCartney's band on stage and then Paul McCartney uh, goes into a performance of Wonderful Christmas Time see I've, I'd forgotten that and they didn't show that bit on the show I would have I would have enjoyed it much more if they'd because honestly, I feel like the show really could have used a musical segment. Yeah, so, and I, I don't get that. Like, why would they cut it off before? There's, like, the whole thing was like a build-up to the performance, yeah. and they just cut it up. They just cut it off before the performance. So it was just the whole sketch was just all build-up, and then That's it just weird. ends. So like, so like, it's why interrupt us? Yeah, I mean, maybe they didn't want to. I guess maybe pay for the rights again, or I, I mean, I don't know how legal. Yeah, maybe that was it. Who knows? Um, but then, like, why show it at yeah. all if you like the whole the, of other Christmas music stuff they did? I remember like Bruce Springsteen being on the show a number of years back, and he did his uh, Santa Claus is Coming to Town, right? And we they were all sorts of cameos who came on stage with him, and I'm assuming like a lot of ex cast members and stuff. I remember Amy Poehler was there probably just to see Springsteen because and and like Paul McCartney comes on and he's just like playing jingle bells <laughs> and that would have been so much fun to see uh, yeah oh yeah I remember that that was that was pretty cool and I think they even had had snow happening too that would I'm gonna have to look look that up on YouTube once we're done that was a good I want to see that again now uh, I hope that's on the internet somewhere yeah but like the whole sketch was a lead up to this performance 
Yeah. And you just cut it off before the the reason that this whole sketch is here. So then why even show the sketch? Just show something else. Show Mr. Robinson putting uh, cabbages on dolls or something. I don't like. Uh, show his... I would have loved to have seen. Uh, they did a Christmas sketch a number of years ago where Pete Davidson was playing Rudolph the Red-Nosed Reindeer. I'm pretty sure we talked about it on the podcast before. Yes, um, yeah, that was a good one. Yeah, where where like when Santa leaves them alone, then Rudolph's immediately like, well, well, well. And then he starts bullying the other reindeer. It's a hilarious sketch. And I would have loved to have seen that again. I haven't seen that in a while either, but uh, yeah. Hmm. Yeah. I mean, I know we, we said, we said earlier on the show that they were just sort of picking out sketches that were long enough just to fill up time and pad the time. But this sketch isn't even long enough to do that. And they cut off again, like the fact that they're just, aired it without the reason for this whole sketch. It's just, you know, baffling to me. Like, dude, just... It's a weird you, choice, yeah. It's a weird choice. I was like, I would have rather them just air an entirely different uh, Christmas sketch. Maybe something from the early 80s or, you know, the you know, Don Olemeyer years or, you know, or Dick Ebersole years or even from the 70s. They didn't show anything from the original cast. I mean, but, I mean the, the show... For a long time, they've more or less pretended that the Dick Eppersole years do not exist. Yeah, that's I mean, true. you hardly ever, you only see like the most popular stuff ever revisited on clip shows. And if it wasn't for the fact that Eddie Murphy and Billy Crystal were on during those years, I don't know. I don't think we'd even see that much. Mm. Yeah, I mean, I, and I guess I see where Lauren's coming from. If if I were in his shoes, I probably wouldn't want to. Uh, promote too much of the five years when I was not running the show, but yeah, they, they did some good stuff on the on those years too, you know. Yeah, that's yeah, that's true. It wasn't all like I think a lot of people kind of think, oh, the years Lauren weren't there, the whole show was just you know just total poo poo caca. And uh, I don't know. I, I mean, actually, I should go back and watch those episodes because I'm sure that it couldn't have all been terrible. I think maybe they get a bad rap uh, unjustly. Look, they they did a year with with. Billy Crystal, Harry Shearer, Christopher Guest, <laughs> Martin Short, <laughs> Martin Short, and and like Julia Louis Dreyfus was on the show. That I mean, how is there not good stuff in that year? And that's those are some of the very first SNL episodes I ever saw. So, yeah, I would like to revisit more of those years. Maybe uh, during the the summer hiatus, maybe look back at some of those episodes. But Ooh, uh, hey, speaking yeah. of Eddie Murphy, Ooh. Uh, the next sketch they they showed was a North Pole News Report written by Mikey Day and Streeter Seidel. Uh, this was from the Eddie Murphy episode from December 21st, 2019, season 45, episode 10. Um, not much to say about this because we covered it two years ago on the podcast. Uh, that was episode 64, I believe. Uh, so go look that up and see what we had to say. Yeah. Yeah, go 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 back into the archives and dip back into the vault mm-hmm. and see see our thoughts about it then because they they're yeah. pretty much the same. Like I watched it uh, and I was like, yeah, my my thoughts back then are pretty much the same now. And enjoyed it then. Still enjoyed it now. I mean, it it was so recent. I honestly only half paid attention to it because I was like, okay, you know, I remember this, and it's it's not far enough in the past for me to be especially nostalgic about it. So yeah, I hear you. I mean, this was like the probably the last sketch of the night, if I remember, or second. I think it was the last sketch. And by this point, I think Eddie was more in his groove because, oh, like, yeah, in the Eddie Murphy show, yes, it yeah, was on the Eddie Murphy, yeah, sketch of the night, yes, yeah. Because like, I mean, even as, as big a Eddie Murphy fan as I am, even I can admit, like, in, in the beginning of the, that episode, he was a little rusty, but like, 
toward the end of the show, he got more comfortable. And I think this sketch, the uh, North Pole News sketch, was like the culmination of him totally being, you know, back to the old Eddie. Like, uh, yeah. like my like my eyes just widened. Was like, he's back. The old Eddie is back. I was so happy. Mm-hmm. Like you know, I I fanned I fanned myself and like fainted on the couch. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so um, we needed more Paul Rudd in the show, so they did another uh, Paul Rudd pre-tape from when he was on the show before. This was from December 7th, 2013, season 39, episode 8. That was Paul Rudd's third time hosting with uh, One Direction as his musical guest. Uh, there's there's a time marker right there, back when Harry Styles was still with One Direction. Oh, boy. Wow. And uh, it was it was adult One Direction fan where, where it's just Paul Rudd with a bunch of teen and preteen girls uh and he's freaking out about one direction as much as they are uh yeah i didn't write much about this one because it's kind of kind of a one note type of joke it's like oh it's funny because it's the grown-ass man who's into teenage music i liked it though Uh, it's i think it's a sketch that with the wrong person in it it could come off as kind of creepy but because paul rudd is so charming and non-problematic it just plays as very innocent and it's just like oh yeah he's just this middle-aged dude who's really into one direction right and and i think it's fun to see him kind of berate some of the kids for not knowing as much as he does <laughs> that is true right? that is funny i i think I, yeah you know, i agree with you, you don't know your basic facts <laughs> I, I mean that's fun uh this by the way was written by chris kelly and sarah schneider oh the two people so, who wrote on uh, the other two, the, the TV show on HBO Max now. Oh, cool. Okay. Yeah. So, great, um, great show. Watch it. Yeah, I, I enjoyed this. This was, uh, yeah, it was, it was fun to revisit, and it got a little more Paul Rudd in the show uh, and just reminded us as if we needed the reminder of why he's such a great host. Right. More Rudd. Can't go wrong with more Rudd. More Rudd. Uh, and what the people want. Yeah, and I agree with you. I think if anybody else done had done this, it would have been, it kind of come across, uh, you know, maybe creepy or maybe just mm-hmm. like kind of played out. Because like, you know, that, that trope of, oh, it's funny when an older man is into teeny bopper music. You know, I'm, I mm-hmm. feel like I've seen this before in other sketches, like maybe a grown ass man who was into New Kids on the Block or a grown ass man who was into, you know, NSYNC or whatever. I feel like I've seen mm-hmm. that in sketches before. So this could come across as kind of hack. But, like, the fact that it's Paul Rudd and, like, he just plays it with such, you know, genuine joy and innocence that it, it does kind of warm my heart and uh, win me over a bit. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Uh, coming up next, we got now That's What I Call Christmas. This was from a show that uh, Jimmy Fallon hosted on December 21st, 2013. It was season 39, episode 10. Uh, another one of those rapid fire type sketches where the host and uh, several cast members they play a bunch of musicians and they're singing Christmas songs. So, uh, yeah, pretty much it's pretty straightforward. Uh, we mm-hmm. see Fallon do a Michael Bublé impression. We see him do a uh, you know Axl Rose impression. He he Kate uh, McKinnon played Shakira. Yeah, uh, that, that was kind of fun. Uh, uh, yeah, pitbulls uh, in there. Um, I'm the, like, oh yeah, I remember when pitbull was a thing. Wait, was that actually pitbull or was that Jimmy Fallon being pitbull? That was that was Jimmy Fallon as pitbull. Oh yeah. right, yeah, I remember when Jimmy pitbull Fallon was. played a ton of people in this. Cause, yeah, he yeah. he really uh, padded himself. He did an Alan Rickman impression, just because yeah, like, it was a good Alan Rickman. Yeah, good Alan Rickman. Uh, 
uh, Jay Farrow coming through with an awesome DMX impression. Mm-hmm. Uh, of course, and uh, again, uh, Fallon coming through with a Harry Styles impression. And uh, mm-hmm. who else we have? The oh, wig he had to make him look like Harry Styles was just dead on, man. The wig was doing a lot of the heavy lifting. The the wig, yeah, because I think it was mostly a nonverbal impression. <laughs> it was just him like standing there looking cute. So like whoever in the SNL hair department did that wig. Mm-hmm. Oh, kudos. Uh, we had uh, Noelle Wells, if you remember her, who did uh, her little mm-hmm. Zoe Deschanel impression. I, I always like Noelle Wells, and yeah, she's she's always been somebody I kind of regret that she didn't stay on the show for a little longer than she did. Yeah, I hear you. Maybe it's maybe like if she's like she was like the like the Lauren Holt of her day, where you feel like she could have done more if she was able to sort of break through a little bit more, but it didn't quite yeah, get but she had she had some great impressions, and I liked her. I remember I liked her when she was uh, Aziz Ansari's girlfriend on uh, Master of None. Um, I haven't seen her in too much else since then, but uh, yeah, I mean, she's always somebody I'd like to keep an eye out for. Yeah, I thought she was really good, and uh, when she played the Lena Dunham character, when they did like a parody of Girls in that mm-hmm. pre-tape. Yeah, that was, that was terrific. That was really good, yeah. Like uh, I think that's the episode Tina Fey hosted, and then they had mm-hmm. uh, Taron Killam as uh, Adam Driver's character. I, I really dug that. Yeah, one. yeah. Like, that was that was a lot of fun. That was a lot yeah. of fun. I remember like Cecily Strong playing Shoshana and had the big bun thing on the side of her head. Yeah, yeah. It was a good stuff. I mean, interesting mm-hmm. that we're talking about all that and not talking about this sketch. <laughs> uh, you know, not too much to say about this sketch. Honestly, it's. I mean, it's a rapid fire thing. It's it's fun. It's cute. It's yeah. Yeah, we have uh, Bobby Moynihan as Andrea Bocelli singing "I Saw Mommy Kissing Santa Claus." So mm-hmm. that's in there because because he's blind. Hey, is he? Isn't he? I don't know. I thought he was. Oh shit! I generally don't know. Did I just out him? I thought he was. I don't know. I'm pretty sure he is. I don't. I don't think you really keep being blind a secret unless you're like Daredevil. Oh, that's right. That's true. Yeah. I thought. Now I don't. And now I've just outed Daredevil. Damn it! He's gonna come after us, man. He's the devil of <laughs> Harlem Kitchen, Hell's Kitchen. He's got damn it. He's got to go fight the kingpin. <laughs> oh boy. Uh it's it's okay. His his secret identity has been exposed before. Oh, that was terrible. for you, comics nerds. <laughs> You're welcome, comic nerds. You're welcome. Yeah. I wish I could remember which issue of Back Issue I have an article about Daredevil in right now. It's somewhere in the early hundreds, I think. Uh, I interviewed Mark Wade and, uh, and Ascenti about their Daredevil runs. Check it out. So. Okay. All right, wait. All right, so I'm looking up now. I, he, doesn't, he doesn't seem to be blonde. He has congenital, congenital glaucoma. So okay. He has side issues so we'll just okay we'll all right just... i did not know that yeah now you know the i rest learned of a little something about andrea bocelli today see we we entertain mm-hmm. and inform here at the snl mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. all right so lastly we've got another uh pre-tape segment this was a tv funhouse segment from uh robert smigel and gj settlemeyer uh this is from a show that jack black hosted on december 17th uh, 2005, uh, season 31, episode nine. It was a uh, Christmas time for the Jews. Yeah, this is this is one of my favorite actually uh, uh, pre tapes of SNL, mm-hmm. and it's like it's one I feel like it's a little underrated. 
This this is a classic. Um, this, by the way, written by Eric Drysdale, Julie Klausner, Scott Jacobson, and Robert Smigel. And actually, our friend uh, Andy Hoagland, uh, who writes for Entertainment Weekly, he pointed out that there's a great oral history of this on Uproxx, um, all about you know how they conceived the sketch and put it together. Uh, that was written by, let me find the name of the writer. That was written by Jason Tabriz. Uh, so uh, I already tweeted out the link from the SNL Nerds Twitter account. Just go to SNL Nerds Show, and you can find the link there and read that. And uh, good stuff. It's a good stuff. So I mean, for those I mean for those who haven't seen this sketch, I highly recommend you do. Uh, it's basically um, a TV funhouse. It's done in like the old school sort of uh, David and Goliath claymation style. And, Rankin uh, Bass, yeah. Yes, exactly. And it's um, they sort of it's this um. The sort of like sort of sixties doo-wop group uh, singing about how you know once all the Gentiles go go to bed, uh, all the Jewish people get to go out and have the city to themselves. It's uh, Christmas time mm-hmm. for the Jews. Yes, yeah, and it, it it takes some of the like the the cliches like eating the Chinese food on Christmas because that's the only place that's open, and uh, yeah, just kind of the the. Our, our Jewish friends making their own way in the world. Yeah. When the, the entire world is geared towards Christmas. And uh, we, we, we had a little claymation John Stewart. That's yes. fun. They go, yeah, they go and watch uh, The Daily Show. They go watch plays with Jewish actors because all the mm-hmm. you know Christian ones are off. And, uh, and the song is really fantastic. It, the song is basically like this old 60s uh, Phil Spector wall of sound. Type mm-hmm. of a uh, song to it, um, and it was sung by uh, Darlene Love, who is uh, a singer who has worked with Phil Spector and Elvis Presley and a lot of I mean, singers. From that's the- a great get for the show. They got the real Darlene Love to sing this, and I was reading in the oral history that like they had to because they had to turn this out in like three weeks. Um, they had to animate to a scratch track with somebody else singing, and then they got the real Darlene Love, and they had. You know, and they're editing basically up until like 15 minutes before it aired. So, I mean, it's insane the amount of work that went into this. Um, but yeah, it's uh, and and Robert Smichael said that he was so overjoyed that they got Darlene Love to sing on it. He put like her her credit in this huge font at the end, and like so much so that Lorne Michaels made fun of him after that. <laughs> Why such a big font? <laughs> But um, yeah, this is, it's a classic sketch. Unfortunately, it's a little overshadowed because uh, you know what I found out? Uh, This sketch, it aired, as I said, uh, on the December 17th, uh, 2005 show. It was the same night uh, that another short called Lazy Sunday debuted. Yes, I remember that. That, that was earlier on the same night, I believe. And you know, Lazy Sunday was the one that went super viral. That's like the one that pretty much invented YouTube. Pretty much. I mean, uh, so yeah, that's, that's interesting. That's a, that's a cool bit of history there. Right. So folks, while, I mean, I mean, both of these two sketches were in the same episode. That's pretty phenomenal. So, I mean, guys, that's that's, yeah. One, two punch. So guys, while we do love Lazy Sunday, it's amazing. Go, Go watch uh, Christmas Time with the Jews. Go give that some love. Mm-hmm. It's really, 
It's it's really pretty spectacular. That's good. I really these two Gentiles endorse Christmas time for the Jews. <laughs> so yeah. So Mazeltov on a great sketch, Robert Smichael and friends. Absolutely. And um yeah, and then that's pretty much the episode. We have all of uh, five of the um of the uh, of the of the folks that stayed around on uh, mm-hmm. on the stage, you know, waving goodbye to everybody. Uh, we have a stripped down band. It's just uh, Lenny and a piano player. Yeah, and uh, I don't. Know, I, I kind of like that. Like I like the like. Very and and they, they're kind of they're sort of miming hugging each other because they're all trying to socially distance. It's weird to see them at the very end all masked up when we've literally watched them in the show where they're unmasked throughout the rest of the show. That's we we got too comfortable. That's when we were getting too comfortable. It's- yeah, uh, it's but, weird, um, but yeah, there's something about like the lone saxophone playing of you know Lenny Lenny Pickett and the piano mm-hmm. playing. It's I don't know. It's kind of I don't know. It's kind of it's it's it felt very like kind of New Yorky to me. Like maybe a little haunting, you know that that sparseness of the sound in there. It felt the stripped yeah. downness of it. I don't know. There's something that felt a little. I I kind of liked it. I, I can't put my finger yeah, on it, but there's something I, I about mean, it. I liked um, it. It's it's a whole. It was a whole different vibe for the show, but I enjoyed it. I, I enjoyed the little host segments they did. You know, they did what they could. They did what they could. I think, yeah, I think ultimately that those are my thoughts about this episode. They did what they could. Um, yeah. It had some... I mean, st- I, liked, I liked when Tom Hanks came out at the beginning and he was like, if you think I'm going to fly 3,000 miles and not be on TV, <laughs> you've got another thing coming. <laughs> Tom Hanks, bitch. <laughs> <laughs> I wish he said that, but he did not. He did not. But uh, we did. We did get a little uh, Twitter comments about the show. A lot of people had opinions on this. Yeah, let's go to the uh, Twitter. Do we, yeah, do we want to dive into this? We do. We do. Okay. All right. So let's start out. Should we do this in chronological order, or? Uh, yeah. Let's let's let's, okay. let's do that. Okay, uh, well, first one, uh, looks like the first one to comment was our old friend uh, Manette Moratti, who says, a glorified SNL Christmas special. Uh, just not do the show and put all the content online. It was all great, except for the socks sketch. Mm. Agreed. Um, but interjecting the show with clips that were all full of laughter just drove home how quiet and depressing it actually was in studio. So, yeah, yeah I can see I that. I think you make some good points there. Absolutely. Uh, see, maybe. Oh, hey, let's go with this one. Uh, good friend John An- Ananias uh, at mm-hmm. Burton S92 saying, when it comes to the older segments, the high point of the night for me was seeing the global warming Christmas special. With the understanding that it's nice to have had a show at all, would you have preferred more obscure or, or underseen sketches like that had been included? And I'll say yes. I'm always, I'm always. Oh yeah, I'll say yes. I mean, I I definitely would have loved to have seen that uh, Pete Davidson Rudolph sketch again. I thought that was hysterically funny. I think was that was that when uh, Jason Momoa was hosting? Uh, I believe so. I think you're. Yeah. I think Jason Momoa played Santa in that. I think if you're I'm right. Not mistaken. I think you're right. Um, well, I'd have to look that up though. Um, I would have loved that. I wouldn't have minded seeing. I mean, it's it's a classic. I don't know if it's really underseen, but I would have loved to see the alternate ending to "It's a Wonderful Life." Oh yeah, show, which, that, I mean, because 
I mean, that's that, a... that ends with all of them like just stomping Mr. Potter to death. Yes. <laughs> like that's a sketch I didn't get when I was a kid because I'd never seen It's a Wonderful Life yet. But then uh-huh. after I saw It's a Wonderful Life, I was like, oh, okay. I get now yeah. why it's funny that they beat an old man to death. Yeah, because I mean, in that movie, uh, Mr. Potter never faces any comeuppance. And I don't think it's even discovered that he stole the money. So he got away scot free. Fuck that. He got away scot-free. I mean, you can only hope that when the new year came around, they, they figured it out and that or, you know, he he had a heart attack and, and died a miserable old man. But <laughs> we can all we can only hope. We can only hope. But I mean I yeah, it's 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 so great. I mean, you have Dana Carvey imitating Jimmy Stewart, you have Jan Hooks as the Donna Reed character. You have you have Dennis Miller making a rare appearance in a sketch as as Harry Bailey. Um, that was fun. Yeah, it was a great. And it's all introduced by William Shatner. I mean, come on. <laughs> yeah, like we could have used that, but again, maybe it's one of those things yeah. where you need to see. It's a Wonderful Life in order to understand why it's funny that they're beating this man within an inch of his life. Yeah, I mean, but fortunately, lots of people have seen It's a Wonderful yes, Life. Absolutely, not everybody. There, I've seen, I heard a few people who haven't. They're out there. Well, those people are wrong. Okay. <laughs> Merry Christmas, everybody. I'm going to give you a little hot tip. It's a Wonderful Life. Good movie. What? Yeah, I know. Wow. I, I think NBC still airs it on Christmas Eve, if I remember correctly. Yeah. So. Mm-hmm. They've had the rights for the last few years, I believe. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, those those are two I really would have liked to have seen. Uh, I would always have... fun to see the Alec Baldwin, uh, Glenn Gary Glenn Ross parody where he's talking to the elves. Oh, right, put the cookies down or oh, Coco's mm-hmm. for closers. Yes, I remember. That. Yeah, yeah. I mean, you know, I would have liked... I came here in a talking moose. <laughs> uh... I would have liked to see a Hanukkah Harry. To be honest, like that was a sketch from my. Stop! T- you're embarrassing me. <laughs> I, that's the one from my childhood I remember getting a kick out of. Mm-hmm. Like he yeah. he takes like Santa's place and he gives the kids socks, and the yes. kids, are, kids are like socks, and it's like twelve pair. Can you believe it? I think that might have also been one that Robert Smigel had a hand in. Uh, he talks about that early on in the uh, the oral history for Christmas time for the Jews. I believe. Uh, okay. um, but uh, uh, no, actually, wait, no, it, it, that isn't one that he wrote. So. But they were just talking about other Jewish-themed uh, sketches that they did around uh, Christmas time. So. Got it. All right. But, uh, yeah, I wonder if – do you remember that one uh, – it was like when Jerry Seinfeld hosted and he played Elijah and he was coming home into uh, like a Jewish home because like they kept the chair empty for Elijah the prophet and he comes to this people's home, this Jewish home and he's kind of a dick. That sounds vaguely familiar, but I don't really remember it. No, like he kind of comes in as like a freeloader, and it's like, hey, it's like, oh, hey, okay. it's like, hey, pops, where's the liquor in this joint? Like, kind of like that. See, that's, that sounds funny. I, I wouldn't yeah. mind seeing that. It, like, hits on the the daughter. It's like, hey, baby, I'm Elijah the prophet. <laughs> like, I <laughs> well, I mean, hey, anytime Elijah is hitting on a teenage daughter, <laughs> hilarity is is to be had. <laughs> I think maybe in my single days, I might have said. That as my come online to a, a lady or two. It's like, hey, baby, I'm Elijah the Prophet. Uh huh. Uh-huh. Uh, uh, oh, and, my youth. Uh, in my youth. Did that work for you in your single days? No, not at all. Okay. Uh, yeah. Can't imagine why. <laughs> <laughs> uh, let's read another tweet. Hey. 
Let's read another tweet. Uh, we got uh, one from Steve Harold here. Uh, he says the global warming sketch was highlight, even though it was for 1991. Uh, most of the time, Rudd looked like it was thinking, why am I here? Especially during that weird update segment. Should have just aired a rerun. Mm. Yeah, a lot of people are kind of on the fence about whether they should have, you know, aired anything at all or not. You know, a lot of people are like, oh, the show must go on. Other people are like, no, it's a pandemic. Don't don't be a dope. Stay home and yeah. be safe. Uh, we also got a tweet from uh, Glennie Brock saying a, uh-huh. a weird and glorious comfort. Probably a harbinger of all new horrors, but still worthwhile. I wish I had laughed more, but I found myself about to weep with gratitude. So that's, <laughs> yeah. Harbinger uh, of all parts. But uh, not inaccurate. <laughs> yeah. See, this is why they do it. So they can get people to weep with gratitude for all the evil that's about to come at us. Uh, from TV Taught Me How to Feel, uh, at Sitcoms Raised Me, uh, says, definitely strange, but Paul, Tina, Tom, and Keenan work great together. Uh, agreed. Uh, they kept it light and fun. Wish Paul could have had his real five-timers induction, but it was nice to see an actual vintage sketch from 91, actually 1990. But right. Yeah, we're, we're, yeah. So. we're not going to nitpick, but yeah, that was actually 1990. I'm, and, just, uh, I'm just saying, Tom Hanks, dirty, stinking liar. Right. <laughs> you heard it here first. And uh, finally, we got a tweet from our good friend, uh, Mikey. Long-time listener, Mikey first-time two caller. Mikey E's. Yes, long-time listener, first-time caller. Saying, uh, wow, not what I was expecting, even after the announcements. Thought we'd get a few live sketches with a reduced cast and crew. I mean, they could have just rerun an oldie. Really confused why they didn't, but kudos to them for doing it live. And I think I love SNL even more now. So it's, I mean, people are split, divided on this. Like, some people love that they went through with it. Other people are like, they should have done a rerun. And, uh. I don't know. I think I, I, I see both points. I, I guess I'm still on the fence with it, but overall, I think I'm pretty happy that we got this episode. I mean, I feel like they were probably just required to do a new show of some kind because, I mean, they'd already sold all their advertising space. <laughs> you know, here in the New York area, we got an ad for uh, Louis C.K. just <laughs> dropped a new, oh boy. Uh, a new special. Um, I, I don't know how to feel about that. It's called Sorry. Mm. I have no idea if he actually apologizes in the special or not. Um, uh, yeah, I, snippets of it. I don't know if I want to drop any money on it. To... Yeah, I don't know. I'm of two minds about it. I'll, you know? I'll yeah, I think I'll I'll stay back and wait till I hear what other people watch it say. Then I'll make my ruling. But well, I just. The main thing I want to hear is, does he address the elephant in the room? I wish does he addressed that thing in any sort of meaningful way. Yeah. and Because if he does, great. I want to hear what he has to say. But if not, eh. Yeah, and I feel like a lot of comedians feel that that's the one thing that, I mean, of course, what he did was horrible. But also, like, mm-hmm. he's a person who's always talked about the horrible things he's done and gone through. So for him to not talk about this mm-hmm. is a little uh, disingenuous as it were like yeah yeah i i don't know i have to find out a little more about what's going on with that agreed thing, you agreed. know so agreed 
And uh, so, yeah, that's the episode, guys. Uh, thanks again for listening. What's up? Nope. I'm just repeating what you said, only a little more wistfully. Got it. <laughs> that's the end, guys. Hey, man. We're... Uh, and then, as always, thanks again for listening so much to the episode. If you're listening to the podcast, as always, you can follow us off on you can follow us on Twitter at SNL Nerds Show. Please give us a follow. Tell your friends. Tell your family. Mm-hmm. Uh, listen to the Re- ep- retweet us when we say something funny or wittier when we show up fun sketch because you know that helps boost the profile too yeah we say funny things once in a while uh, you know boost i mean up. law averages alone yeah exactly nine times out of ten you know brooklyn clock is right twice a day uh <laughs> so yeah yeah so uh do that uh follow us on patreon at snl nerds no wait that non-detective.com slash snl nerds and uh you know hook us up uh go to our patreon give some dough get hook us up with some moolah some cheddar some uh, fat ducats. And as always, you can follow me on Twitter and Instagram at Darren Credible. That's D-A-R-I-N Credible. And uh, you can follow me on Twitter and Instagram, but why would you want to? Um, I'm at Trumbull Comic, T-R-U-M-B-U-L-L, and the word comic. Uh, yeah, no, not not why would you, I wasn't saying why would you want to in a self-hating way. It's just I barely use Instagram. I really just am on Instagram to track like people from SNL and, and some other profiles. And somehow I have 285 followers. I've never posted a damn thing outside of comments. It's the mystique, man. Like, oh, who's this guy who doesn't follow anybody or do anything? He must be really important. No, I, no I follow people. I follow people. And I'll uh, comment on posts and I'll like posts and stuff. Um, I guess there's something. About- I just do not feel the need to to post anything of my own on there. Uh, I guess this is something about the mystery of John Trumbull. Like, that draws people in, I guess. Maybe, you know, it's like how, uh, you know, maybe? Yeah, I guess. <laughs> okay. All right. I'm just trying to create a mystique for you. I'm me all the time, so I don't I don't see the fascination. <laughs> <laughs> I could do with that. I mean, you know, and me and limited doses, yeah, that's fine. <laughs> 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 Me, 24 hours a day? It's a lot. Yeah. It's a lot. <laughs> you don't want all this in your lives, people. No. No. So, um, but, uh, hey, we'll, we're, we'll be back next week. I'll have some more self-hatred. Uh... <laughs> <laughs> Same. Same. Yeah. <laughs> so, uh, so, next week, uh, because... It's Christmas. We're we're going to be just past Christmas. We're we're going to do another Christmas theme show because SNL is off. Uh, probably a good thing. <laughs> I would say so. so yeah, yeah. So we're going to cover a Christmas special starring a very notable SNL alum. We're going to cover something that's been out on Netflix for the last few years. Uh, we're going to cover a very Murray Christmas starring SNL's own Bill Murray. Uh yeah, this is this will be my first time seeing it. I have mm-hmm. I have not seen it, so I'll, I'll be going going in with fresh eyes. So, yes, this uh, will be my second time watching it. I suggested it. It's been something I was thinking like, oh yeah, that'd be good for us to do around Christmas. It also, besides Bill Murray, it has Amy Poehler, it has Maya Rudolph, it's got uh, Rashida Jones, um, George Clooney, and Miley Cyrus pop up in it, I believe. Mm. Um. There are some other people I'm sure I've forgotten at this point, and I'll be and when I come across them, I'll be like, "Oh yes, they were in it." So uh, 
yeah, go check that out on Netflix and then come back here next Monday, the 27th, to hear what we think of it. All right, far out. Can't wait. I'm, I'm all a fl- my heart's all a flutter. Can't wait. I know. It's exciting, isn't it? It is. Oh, it is. It is. So that's what we're going to do next week. We'll see you then. Until then, nerds out. Nerds out. And I just got to say, my nerds out was much more enthusiastic than your nerds out. Oh, sorry. All right. Nerds out! Is that better? Okay, that that was like half you, half Beaker from the Muppets, but okay. <laughs> I was going for like David Lee Roth. Oh, came out Beaker. Kiyo! Nerds out! Go ahead, okay. Ninja! Is that better? Uh, it was different. <laughs> <laughs> this has been a non-productive media presentation. Executive producer, Frank Hablawi. This program and many others like it on the non-productive network is distributed under a Creative Commons attribution, non-commercial, no derivatives license. Please share it, but ask before trying to change it or sell it. For more information, visit non-productive.com.